This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So we're talking about Pesach. Um, until Pesach. The, the Wednesday before Pesach, the week before Pesach, we're not going to be open. Maybe Monday, but I'm not going to be a Wednesday. I'm going to be ready in Arizona um, for the Pesach program. But next week, Mitzvah, and the week after, we'll, we'll, we'll be here. All right. So the question is, um, everyone knows the halachas of Pesach, um, but what's the deeper, what's the deeper meaning of of what Pesach's all about? So I'm going to sort of talk a little. I'm going to talk a little bit about it tonight from both sides, and then we're just going to go every week. We're going to go just into more detail and, 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 a, and a little bit deeper. So I didn't put it on. So the, the birth of the Jewish nation as a nation happened in Mitzrayim. We came into Mitzrayim, Shivin Nefesh, seventy separate people, and we left at we left as Am as a as a nation. And it's just interesting. I was listening tonight today to Rabbi, to Rabbi Shem Pinkish Shir, and we, we, this will talk probably the last year. We're going to talk about because Pesach really have the first two days. Then you have the last, um, the last two days. The first and the last two days is um, is really talks about Kriyas Yamsuf. We left Mitzrayim, we traveled for seven days, and we ended up we ended up at, at the Yamsuf. And so Shvi'i Shel Pesach, which is the seventh day of Pesach, sort of is sort of its own like Yantif, where we celebrate. Um, we actually celebrate Kriyas Yamsuf. We don't say the whole Hallel because. Um, you can't sing Hallel to Hashem while his creations are dying. And being that even though the mitzvah were very bad, they were dying. And therefore, even though it was good for us, it's still God's creation. So we don't say a whole hollow on, on Shri Shal Pesach. The seventh, day, the seventh, the last day, and I believe, um, I'd have to look at my sitter, but I think from the first days we do, well, we do it I think, day. I think, no, we don't say the whole thing. What, the first two days? Anyone have a sitter? I want to have a sitter on them. Right, you don't say you don't because that's when that's when 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 the when they were being killed in in we weren't allowed we were not allowed to sing shira. The malachim wanted to sing shira. Hashem didn't let anyone, anyone have a, anyone have a please. The malachim were not Hashem didn't let the malachim sing shira either. You know, even if you have a bad ch- a child, that's not good, but the mice, it's your child. The, the, Hashem's creations are his creations, and when they were dying in the Amsuf, Hashem did not let the Malachim sing Shira. Right, so the, the Cholomite in the last days of Pesach, we don't say, we don't say the whole Halom. Okay? Just the first two days. Just the first two days. you say both days. The whole circus you say, which means at Sarah's, all eight days of Hanukkah you say, but you don't, you don't say. Okay. So he, he talks, thank you. He talks about, um, that in a Kabbalistic way that the, the, the forming of the child, which was a nation, happened, um, happened in Mitzrayim and the, the delivery of the child, the actual birth of the child, was when we came, um, when we came out of Kriyas Yamsuf, a baby you know, 
um, is in a water sack, right? A, a woman before she goes into labor, usually they break her water. So the baby's in this water sack, sort of to say. So in Kabbalistic, we went, we had to go through the water, through the Yamsuf, um, to be born by coming out on the other side. And the most dangerous time of a woman's pregnancy is delivery. And the most d- dangerous d- time of delivery is when the baby's in the birth canal. Because you can't turn the baby around, even to do a cesarean at that point. Is, you know, they don't, they don't let, they don't want a woman to go into labor before they do cesarean. So there's a certain position where they can't, the baby's already down, his head's down, he's already coming out. It's very hard. The, the danger of, of, of not getting enough oxygen. So that's, that's a very dangerous position. And we're going to talk about this the last week that Rav Shimshim Pinky says that when the Jews were between the Yamsuf and the Mitzrim, they were in the birth canal. They were about to become a nation. They were about to come through Yamsuf. Mitzrim would be destroyed. They'd be on their own. So that was the most dangerous moment. And that's when Kleisol was stuck. Sort of like you're in labor and the baby's stuck, breach, whatever. And they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't go backwards. They couldn't go forwards. And um, there had to be an action taken. In other words, when 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 um, I don't know how many of you have seen a birth, whatever it is, but when when a when a woman's in delivery, so there's a monitor, and the monitor shows the baby's heartbeat, and they can tell from that when the baby's in stress. So if the baby's in a certain amount of stress, they won't let the woman give birth naturally. They'll do a cesarean. Because in that area, that's what the baby Chasham could not get enough oxygen and that could damage the brain, whatever it is. So you have to take an action. In other words, you could be saying to Helen that the, you should have a good child, but, but when that, when that thing goes off and that the, the baby's not getting the oxygen, it's under, they call it under stress, they gotta do a cesarean pull, push, whatever they gotta do, they gotta do something then and right then and there. And Rav Shimshin says that at that point, Moshe Rabbeinu, we were stuck. We were stuck in this delivery in the birth canal, and we were stuck. The Mitzvah on one side, the world on the other side, and Moshe Rabbeinu was davening. He's like, help! And Hashem's like, no, no, no. In delivery, this is not a time for davening. You have to do something. And that's what Nachshon did. He actually came out of the birth canal by putting, by going into the water over his, over his nose and taking an action. When you're in that danger, you have to take an action. And Hashem says that the whole Time class was in the time. He says, like, when a, when a woman's pregnant, so Hashem created us that you can tell that the woman's pregnant. She's carrying in front of her, right? And you can tell as it gets bigger, the baby gets bigger, you can tell that she's carrying another child. He says, the, Christ, when they first came into it, as they grew, as they became a nation in Mitzrayim, and they went through the mock, and went through everything, that's when the, you could actually see, he uses a lush, I don't know, from the Zaya, whatever it is, but they weren't born yet. She, we were, as a nation, we were pregnant. We were sort of in that pregnancy, but we weren't born yet. We were born actually, and that's why he says Shvi Shel Pesach is when we were born as a nation as a separate yantus. And 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 the minute is that um, you, the night of Shvi Shel Pesach, so you say you, you sing Shira, you say as Yashir, and they have this whole you know Shir and singing or whatever it, whatever it is. It's like a Sudas, you know Shira. It's like a, a separate a separate yantus. Well, let's talk about. What happened in Mitzrayim? So, I've spoken about this before. I've learned a little bit more about it. I think it's absolutely fascinating. And it gives us an understanding of what Pesach is all about. So, it has these very funny rules. And we talk about this every year, like, 
the bottom line is if you weren't brought up Jewish like you would be very like this is ridiculous like what kind of sin can there be by having a crumb of cake on your table you're not killing anyone right you're not breaking your fast you don't have to even eat it right it, it, it can't be in your house it can't we're, I, we're running this hotel and um, for Pesach in, in Phoenix Arizona and I was there on Monday because the people in this hotel have never seen Jews and they've never had a Passover so we're bringing down 800 Jews right and now we're sitting in front of their waitering staff who doesn't even know what a matzah ball is parv milchiks fleshiks you know someone says bring me a matzah and the guy's going to walk in with a with a, with a tablecloth you know he, they don't know they don't know anything so it was, it was funny because I know I, I've been at Pesach programs and like people don't stop eating you just there's really not that much to do and you just eat and you eat so they have you have you have lunch and then two hours later a barbecue at the pool with like full a lot of food and that goes on for three hours and then when you finish the barbecue you go up and take a shower and then it's dinner and then after dinner the tea room has to be open for 24 hours and has to have continuous food it just does it it doesn't stop right so now I know that these non-Jewish people are going to see us for 10 days right the first day just eating and eating and eating and eating it's going to be a chalashem like they never saw human beings eat so much right we have 1,800 pounds of matzah. I mean, and, that, and that no one's eating matzah. So I didn't know what to tell them. Like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want it, I don't want it to be a chil Hashem. So what am, I, what am I going to tell these people? Like, you know, they never saw people eat like this. You know, non-Jewish people, they drink. We don't drink, we eat. And, and I, one of the reasons, right, Hashem didn't tell us when we're leaving Mitzrayim. It says that, bichipozon. All of a sudden he said, that's it, Out! Why did Hashem tell us three months in advance? Listen, in three months, He knew when we were going to get out. At midnight, in three months, at midnight, we're leaving Mitzrayim. Why did the day, like the day of, He told us now? And my answer was because had He given us three months, there would have been so many wagons of food. I mean, people would just, you know, you, you, ever, you ever go Cholamite to Great Adventure or any of these other places, right? So these people come, like hundreds of Jewish people, Kanai Nahara, right? And they're walking, they have two kids, and they're walking into the parking lot with the strollers, and the strollers piled up with potato chips and matzah and salmon, you know, all this stuff and soda and all that. And then you get, you get into the park, what's the first thing? You think, everyone goes, runs to the ride. Straight to the table, brunch, right? We'll go on two rides, where's the matzah, where's the peel, you know, you know, so we, so imagine if Hashem told us three months in advance when we're leaving Mitzrayim. Forget about it. So anyway, what, what do you think I told them? What am I going to tell them? I don't want them to, 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 right? I said, listen, I have to tell you people something you don't know. That before Passover, sort of like the Muslims a little bit, they have Ramadan, right? So before Passover, for 40 days, we fast. So, so when they get there, they haven't eaten for 40 days. So if they're eating a lot, it's just because they're fasted for 40 days. They're like, Really? Yeah, for sure. So, so, so the question is, like, we're trying to explain to them, I was trying, we were trying to explain to them, no bread, no crumbs, and that even though you're not Jewish, you can't walk around, you can't walk around with food. So if you're gonna bring non-kosher food, you have to eat outside, you can't, you know, and they're, they're looking at us like, 
right? So, so the question is, really, what, what's so bad about a crumb? Now, this Aveira of having chametz, right? What is that all about? But I think that's the first thing we need to talk about because we're starting to clean and, and, and vacuum and clean. What, what is this all about? So it's something that we talk about a lot. The Menei Saskha talks about it. The Kavayasha talks about it. Really? It's a representation. It's not... It's a, The crumbs is a representation. What's it a representation of? So it's called Se'or Shebi'isa. The difference between a matzah and a challah or a bread is that those other doughs rise. They have all these ingredients in it, and they, they rise. They, they sort of take on a, you know, I've told you this story a hundred times. They, 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 they're, they're out of control, right? You have this little teeny challah, and you put, a, you put a, a, a towel on it, and all of a sudden, it's three hours later, the towel's not big enough. So I, I, it's, there's a lot of new girls here. The, one of the funniest stories that ever happened to me, I, my mother never baked challahs, so I never saw anyone bake challahs. We went to the bakery, we bought challahs. I never, so, so there's a thing, skula, right, which is more important than halacha. School is like, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein used to say, I wish that Shulchan Aruch was a skula, right, because every, everyone keeps a skula. So there's a big skula that the Shabbos after Pesach is called Schlissel challah. You bake a challah, you put a key in it, and that opens the key to your parnasa. In other words, God has three keys that he keeps himself. Children, Parnassah, which is money, and rain. Those are his three keys. So, if you put your key in the challah, it's a skula that Hashem's going to give you your Parnassah. So, so, it happens to be that if you look in this, so women used to make challahs, and the top braiding was sort of braided into a key. But also, some people take an aluminum foil, they put a key in, right? And they stick it in the challah. So, some people have it in their, their use their door key, so that Hashem should give them a bigger house. Some people use a safe deposit box key so that the safe deposit box should be full. Everybody puts a different, puts a different key in there. And it's like the whole world keeps it. So my wife said, you know, I want to bake a shlissel challah, but I don't, she didn't really bake challahs. She baked cake, she didn't bake challahs. So she said, go to, at that time was Glotmart, and get a Kineret kosher, which is a blue box, pre-made it's pre-made challahs, where the challahs can get whatever it is. All you pretty much do is let it rise and, and bake it. Now, I never saw anyone baking a challah. So, I said, you want a bilkala? A bilkala, a little teeny challah? No, you, you don't do a schlissel bilkala, little thing. You do a schlissel challah. She said, so get me, get me two challahs. Okay? So I come to Glotmart. I know nothing about it. It's a true story. I come to Glotmart, and I open those two big refrigerators. I, first, I said to the guy, where do I get... Canary kosher challah. He says, refrigerator number three, whatever it is. I go to there, and I open up the, the, the refrigerator, and there's this teeny little blue box. I'm like, I cannot believe they're already sold out. She's gonna kill me, my wife. I waited, you know, cause she told me to go in the morning. I went at night, of course, and there's, they're sold out. There's no big challahs in the whole freezer. So I go back to the manager, I'm like, I cannot believe it. When did you guys, when did you guys sell out? Goes, what are you talking about? We didn't sell out. We have hundreds of challahs. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want a belkala. I want a challah. He says, there's no more challahs in the refrigerator? I gotta, I gotta see this. He says, you know how many I had there this morning? He walks, he goes, he goes, Wallerstein, that was before I was Robert Wallerstein. He says, what's your problem? Look at all these challahs. I'm like, no, I don't want a little challah. I want a big challah. He looks and he goes, you never saw a challah, did you? 
I'm like, no. He says, no, no. It starts off like this. And then you, 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 you egg it and whatever it is and you put it on and, right. So I, I came home with this little box thinking that the chow is going to be in the box. And I never saw that happen. I put the towel, like three hours later, there was a huge, you know, this, this huge chow. That represents gaiva, haughtiness, rising, higher, higher, you know, haughtiness. It, it represents also the Yetzirah. Matzah is an Oni. One of the biggest differences between um, the biggest keli, the biggest vessel for a person to have good midos, to be a good person and to learn Torah, is to be an anav, to be someone who's modest. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the biggest ever in Torah, was the biggest ever in anivis, in being, in being modest. So the matzah is very poor. It's flour and water. It doesn't rise. It has no gaiva. It has no gaiva whatsoever. It has poor ingredients. It doesn't rise. It doesn't think much of itself, right? That's the matzah. That represents the Yetzatayv. The chala, the Sa'or Shabi Isa, represents the Yetzahara. When we clean on Pesach, says the Kabayasha and the Bnei Yisachar, when, when you take a crumb of unleavened bread and you clean that away, in Shemayim, because everything's in a parallel, what you're really doing is you're going into your soul and you're cleaning out the chametz. What's the chametz in your soul? The, the gaiva, you know who I am, and the averis that a person does. So Hashem gave us a yontif where we could do something in the physical world which triggers the same thing in the spiritual world. And what, what I, we have learned in many years that it says that when a woman or a, a man cleans for Pesach and he sweats, every drop of sweat in the other world is considered a tear. Wow. There are many people who can't cry. They just don't cry. But everybody can sweat. So the Kava Yosha says very clearly that when you are cleaning for Pesach and you're sweating, that every drop of sweat in, in Hashem up in Shemayim is considered like you are crying. So the, a person who clean, again, it's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing this, but a person who cleans their house for Pesach because they want to do spring cleaning, and they don't have in mind that when I'm cleaning up this chametz, I'm cleaning the chametz in myself, they missed the whole picture. They missed the whole picture. So, I tried to explain that a little bit. The, the crumb is a, is a representation because really, the challah Right? It's very chashiv. A whole year, you, you, the challah, right? Shabbos, you have two challahs by a wedding, right? By a bris, by, 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 by shalashudas, by, right? By, by malava malka. You always wash, supposed to wash, right? So a is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But for all of a sudden, for, for eight days, it's a terrible thing. Those eight days were the time where Klai Yisrael became a nation. We were a baby. We were just created. And, and, a baby can't have any bacteria. I mean, when you have a baby and you drop the, the, the bottle or, or the pacifier, you wash it, you boil it, you clean it. By the time the kid's a year old, he drops it, you put it back in his mouth. Right? You wash it, maybe you don't wash it. You put it back in his mouth. We were, when we left the tribe, we were in a very sensitive, dangerous place. And and you see that because, and this is what Shim Shem Pinkus talks about, what would be the most dangerous thing a baby could do? Is on its way out, it decides to go back in. 
That would be, right? But you can't do that. Kleistral, we came out of Mitzrayim. We were being born. And the first thing we said is we want to go back. We want to go back to Mitzrayim. Take us back to Mitzrayim, Moshe Rabbeinu. We were, we were very much, I don't want to use the word he used, he used the word abortion, but he said we were very much in a position where we were sort of, sort of aborting because we, we were trying to become this nation. Hashem was trying to deliver us and we we're like, no, we want to go back in the womb. We want to go back into Mitzrayim. And that would have killed us. That would have killed us. And he, there's a whole share on this that, you know, that he, that, that he speaks about this. So, the whole Pesach is a representation. Four cups, four different lashainas of leaving Mitzrayim, right? Mara represents the bitterness that we had, right? Everything that's on the, on the, on the, Kayhe, Levi Yisrael, and the Matzah, everything that's on the Seder plate represents the salt waters, the tears, the Chorosas, right? Everything is a representation. The whole Pesach is a physical representation of a spiritual world. And if you sit by a Seder, and like, oh, I like matzah. You missed it. Oh, I love, you know, marar. And this one guy that comes to my Seder, he loves horseradish. <laughs> so he's like, I give him some horseradish. He sits and goes, no, give me a whole bowl. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what this is about. The horseradish is supposed to be bitter. And when you're eating the horseradish, you're supposed to be thinking about, you know, the bitterness of, of, of what Kleinsville was going through. If you like horseradish and you want another portion of horseradish, you lost it. Reminds me of an amazing, amazing story, which I don't say on Pesach. I always say this on Rosh Hashanah. I'll tell you, create, uh, yes, sure. So you said the challah represents a Yetzirah during Pesach. But when we eat challah afterwards, it doesn't represent... Not at all, just the opposite. It represents the lechem of, of just the opposite. If, if you don't, it, when, when can a baby start learning Torah? The Gemara says when he can start, when he starts eating bread. Oh. Yeah, so the lechem is, it's just a dis- just on Pesach. It's a, it's a, re- a representation. So this is a very interesting. This is a very interesting story. Which I, I'm trying to bring this point before we go into Pesach because if if you're sitting there and like and, and like I like wine, can I get another glass? Like I can't wait till I get the next glass. And you're not thinking right? You you miss the whole picture. If you're eating matzah because you like matzah, you miss the whole picture. If you don't use the representation for what it's right, if you're cleaning for Pesach, you're like oh, spring cleaning, my house is clean. No, you missed the whole thing. So we have to go into Pesach before the first year has to be understanding that that this is not about eating and and everything is representing something. And Mitzvah, I hope to teach you that the whole seder plate represents, which we've spoken about before, the human body, the head, the brain, the soul, the the the, the whatever, the matzahs, the, the wine, the blood is the is the is the the, the wine is the, is the color of the blood. That has in a person's body. The white is the matzah, is the bones, because our, our bones are white. You actually, at the Seder plate, at the Seder, what you speak is the neshama. You actually rebuild. I hope that maybe next week we'll talk about it. You actually rebuild a person. Because what came out of Kleistral, even though it was a nation, what the Achtus was really one person. It was one Achtus. One, one, I don't want to say creature. Just, we came out as one. We stood under Hasinai as one. So there's a very funny story. Um, there was this duke and his wife had everything and he didn't know what to buy her for her birthday and he heard his wife loved to sing she loved singing and she loved to go to opera and he heard that there's a bird this is a true, there's a real bird it's called the minor, M-Y-N-A-R bird it sings he said, the, my wife doesn't have it would be like the most amazing present 
to buy her a bird that's always singing. Was the most he heard about this. He said, but in his his this Duke where he lived, they didn't have such a bird. But he heard in a town far away, three day travel, there was a pet shop, and they had such a bird. He says, my wife's anniversary. I'm going to surprise her. I'm going to go buy her this bird. So he called his driver, right? He had a driver, and they got into this carriage. And he said, we have to prepare for a three day trip. He says, where are we going? We're going to buy my wife anniversary present. Okay. And they come to the store. And the Duke says, do you have a, you have such a bird called the minor bird? He says, yes. In fact, he's singing right now in the back room. Come. They go into the back room. This bird is singing like a, like, beautiful, gorgeous. He's singing. Duke says, how much is it? He says, $10,000. He says, you got it. Says, Duke, what's the big deal? $10,000 for a Duke? You got it. Puts the, he says, unbelievable. He comes out. The guy's waiting in the carriage, in the, in the coach. He says, so we traveled three days. What do you have? He said, I have a bird. There's no such bird in the whole world. It's called the minor bird. He says, I'm buying this bird for my, for my wife. She is going to be so happy. He says, do they have any more of those birds in there? He goes, yeah, he happens to have another one. He goes, oh, okay. Very nice. Okay, he comes home and he gives his wife the bird. Of course, the driver goes home to his house, gives the wife the bird. She's like, unbelievable, whatever it is. The next day, the driver, we call him Igor, right, sees the wife of the Duke and she's smiling and he says, he says, so can I ask you something? Was the, was the bird really worth $10,000? She goes, $10,000, that bird is worth a million dollars. It was amazing. Okay, he goes home. Like, I also love my wife. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to scrape up all the money I've ever saved. I'm going to go borrow. She looked like that bird must have been a. Am- I'm going to go get such a bird too. So he gets onto the wagon. He travels for three days. He comes, the owner standing there. He says, you know, just here with the Duke. You have another one of those birds that you sold him? He goes, yes. He says, but it's $10,000. He takes that. He borrowed from this friend, from that friend, all this money that he saved. And he gets the bird. And he's all excited. I'm going to give my wife. She's going to be as happy as that other lady. He comes home. He says, darling, happy anniversary a little bit early. I bought you something. Okay. And he uncovers this little teeny bird. She says, what's that? He goes... I don't know. He says, but I, I was with the Duke, and this is what he bought for his wife. And I saw the next day, she was so excited. She said, it was worth a million dollars. She says, okay, so what do we do with it? He goes, cook it. And, and it must be, it must taste like something that's like, just nothing in the world tastes like that. So okay, they throw the bird in, they cook it. This little birdie. And they sit down, and they're like, okay, she said it's worth millions of dollars, right? They cut the little birdie in half, and each one takes the fork, and they put it in his mouth. He never in their life tasted something so disgusting. And he spits it out, and she spits it out, and she goes, are you crazy? You spent $10,000 on this? First of all, even if it tasted good, it's one bite, right? The guy ripped me off. He didn't give me the same bird he gave the Duke. She was so excited. He goes the next morning, knocks on the Duke's door, he says... You know, I have to ask you something. I think I just got ripped off. He said, why? He says, well, you bought the bird, and I love my wife also. He said, and I bought the bird. It's disgusting. He says, what did you do with the bird? He says, I cooked it. 
said, you cooked it? Minor word of not for eating. It sings. So I think it's a dogma market says that a person who eats simanim, right, because they like the way it tastes, is as foolish as this guy. It's not the wine, the matzah, the karpas, the egg. That's not what it's about. It's what it says. All those different items are singing. Whether it's marar for the bitterness, whether it's matzah for the cheras. If you're cooking it to eat it, if that's what it's about, you just cook the minor bird. You just missed everything. So I think that the first year I give about Pesach is that we need to realize that this is not a yontav of, you know, eating matzah. You should like it. I'm not saying you shouldn't like matzah. You should never, on a mitzvah, you're not allowed to say, ugh, ever. Right? So if you eat matzah and you don't like matzah, you can't, you can't say a mitzvah is ugh. Sometimes, you know, people say, ugh, that's disgusting. You can't say that. Or, or, you know, or the wine, you don't like the wine. Ugh, that's disgusting wine. If you, if you, if it's a mitzvah, then you, you can't call a mitzvah disgusting. So even if the item you don't like, the mitzvah cannot be disgusting. So, it's very important that we give, give it over to the people who are at our Seder. These are, all these are representations. The crumbs are representations. The lack of crumbs means that we're clean. Right, the 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 food is a representation. The Yitzias Mitzrayim, the leaning, like why are you leaning? Your mother tells you always not to lean. The leaning is a representation of that tonight I am a king, which I'll explain to you. It's a much higher level. So you, if you're like, well, this is great. I waited a whole year to be able to lean while I eat, then you just ate the minor bird, because that's not what this is about. The reason that you're, you're leaning because you're like a king, like a queen. Why are you like a king and a queen? Does anyone here know why? Yeah, when you left Mitzrayim, you didn't become you, you. You got rid of your slavery. You didn't become a king. But you're free. Okay, so people who are free, people who are free are kings. Why do you lean? So the Gemara says, why do you lean? Because the kings, the poor people, sit when they eat. The kings used to be served, so they had these beds, like in the Romans, right? They had these beds, and they used to lean, and they would feed them, and they would serve them. So tonight, being that you're right. But that's not what happened. We didn't become kings. We became free. People who are free don't lean. Why are you leaning? Right? And it says, if you say the harachamon by benching, maybe it's in the sitter, it says, on the night of, by the Haggad, that's probably not in the sitter, because it says, tonight is the night when Sadiqim sit in their chair and their crowns are on their heads. Where is there, where is this, where are there any crowns? Is that happening in Shemayim when we have a Yeah, but, but, but why, but why? Why not on Shavuos? Why not, on Shavuos we did get two crowns, right? Specifically on Shavuos we got nothing, no mention about it. Why not on Sukkot? What's going on here on Pesach, right? I'm gonna answer, I'm not just gonna answer the question. What? That makes you a king or that makes you a free man? Makes you a free man. What, what, what does that mean? What kind of malch? What, what kind of malchus? Let's see if it's not going to be here because it's only at the seder. No, it's not here. It's only in the seder. But anyway, it says the tzaddikim at So I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. With the most beautiful story that there is in existence about 
the relationship between Hashem. I said, I said this last year, maybe I didn't, I don't know, maybe two years ago. This story, to me, is, is the ultimate story. So this is the reason. There's a very fascinating Medrash. Medrash says, at the, in the middle of Mitz, at the end of Mitzrayim, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided that he's going to go look down for a shidduch. He's the, he's the king, he's looking for a kala. And it says that when Hashem came to look for his nation, so he told the Malach and the angels that I'm in love. I'm in love with Klai And the angel said, but Klai are slaves. And you're a melech. If you're looking for a shidduch, the shidduch that you should have is Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim are the masters. Mitzrayim was the capital of the world. If you're going to look for a shidduch in the human world, so to say, why would you go to the Eved? The lowly Eved. Go to the masters. The most powerful, richest nation in the world was Mitzrayim. So they were very upset. And they even said to Hashem, this Medjah says, that you don't go to Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is filthy and dirty and full of Tumor. And you're a Kayin. And you're the Melech. We, if you decide you need the Jews to leave Mitzrayim, we'll take them out. And Hashem said, you don't understand who these people are. I am going to go into Mitzrayim, into the Tumor, into everything. And I am going to take these people out. Now there's an amazing story that I say by every Seder. And it is exactly what the whole Pesach is all about. It will answer a lot of a lot of questions that we have. The story is like this: there was this prince, and he was single, and they wanted to get married. The king and the queen had died, and he was next in line. And in those days, they used to marry a king, a king, a prince, and a princess in order to bring the countries together. That's how they used to bring countries together. So they were going to take this prince to a few different court countries, Austria, wherever, different countries to meet their princesses and he would decide which one of those girls are the right one for him. Okay? So you can imagine all the king's horses and the army and the, he's, he's the young, beautiful, handsome prince and he's in a coach and they're on their way to meet these three different girls. Shudduch, everyone's excited that they want him to get married. They, they're the king. He's going to be the king. And they're on the way to this country, which is far away, to meet the first girl. And they come to a crossroad. And it's blocked. And they're waiting for him to clean up whatever. The king's sitting in his coach quietly. And the windows are open. And laying in the mud next to the coach is a girl. A poor peasant girl. And she sees this beautiful coach. And there's a man, a young guy sitting in there. So she, she gets up and she puts her hand sort of by the, in the coach and says, alms for the poor. Could you, could, could you, she doesn't know it's the king or anything. She knows it's a rich man. Could you give me some charity? Could you help me? Could you help me? The secret service, the, all the chevra that's protecting the king, they take her and they push her away. Are you crazy? You, you filthy, dirty peasant approaching the, 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 the prince? Go away! But he sees her. And he says, excuse me, don't, don't treat her like that. 
bring her, let me, let me, let me, let me see who she is. And like, no, 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 no. You know, we know that you're very kind. We'll take care of her. We'll, we'll, we'll give her some money. We'll give her some food. We need to go. They cleared, now the clearing, it's ready to go. We need to go. And he's like, no. I want to see her. Okay? So they bring it, they bring it to the coach and she's filthy, ripped clothing. Her hair is caked in mud. You can't even really see her face. You can just see these two eyes. And he says, what's your name? And she says her name. We'll make up a name. Miriam. And, and not Cinderella. Miriam. She's not Cinderella yet. And he says, why are you laying in the mud? And she says, well, this is, I don't have a home. Um, I don't have food. So the people who go along the road, I'm a beggar. I, I asked for money. He says, in my kingdom, this should, this should not be. He says, why don't you... You, you, you sound intelligent. Why don't you get into the coach and let's talk a little bit? Now these guys are, they go crazy. They're like, no, 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 no. You're a king. You, 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 you know, it's very nice. You want to chill with some girl that's in the mud, but you represent, you represent, you represent the kingdom. You can't represent the kingdom and be sitting in a chariot with this beggar. And he's like, but I'm the king. And I can do what I want to do. And this is what I want. So they put her into the coach sitting next to him. And he starts to talk to her. And they keep traveling. And he's just madly in love with this girl. Mud, filth, dirt, everything. And he tells them to stop. He says, I want you to turn the coach around. I think I found my princess. Now they're going crazy. They're like, no, no, no. They're like, so the second in command comes over to me and says, listen, I, I, was, I worked for your father all these years. No, no. This is not Cinderella. You are the king, the most powerful country in the world. This is not something you can bring home. The people won't allow it. We won't allow it. She doesn't know what it means to be royal. This is not something you can come home with. We understand the stories and maybe watch the movies and, you know, finding the girl in the mud and making her the prince. No! It's not happening! I'm the king. It's happening. We're going back to the palace. Okay, you can't, there's nothing you can do. They go back to the palace. And everyone in the, in the country is, is waiting to see who he's coming home with, thinking there's going to be some beautiful girl in a beautiful gown, right, with a crown on her head. And they're like, what? What's sitting next to him? Like, and the whole place, you can imagine, everyone's schmoozing and everyone's talking and, and, and like, what's going on? He flipped out, he's crazy, he's drunk, he, he, he fell off a wall. Like, is it a long lost sister that he found? Like, who knows, whatever it is. You know, the prince of the pauper, who knows, right? Anyway, so, everyone's upset. And he comes into the castle, this girl is filthy and muddy and dirty, and he says, I want you to take her upstairs and, you know, clean her up makeup, hair, whatever it is. My mother, take her to my mother's closet, any of my mother's, you know, dresses, and 8 o'clock tonight, I want it to be at dinner. And everyone's like walking with him, they're like, you can't do this, you can't do this, and he says, I did it, this is what I want, but but even, okay, you want it, you want to play, you want to have a, like, a, like a, in your head, you want to like, like make a movie and make a, you know, a story, but the bottom line is you're not marrying her. You know what I mean? You're not marrying her, this is not happening, you're not destroying our whole kingdom. And he's like, I'm the king. King, do what I want. Okay, so you can all imagine at seven o'clock she comes down, breathtaking. They were like, What? That was the girl? No way, that's not the girl that walked in here, right? And they're all just staring at her and they're like, 
what? And he, of course, was like, I knew this all the time. I could see through the mud. I could see through everything. I, I, this is what I, this is what I saw. And she sits down. And everyone's talking now. Right? But he realizes that at the end of the day, she's a peasant. And, you know, they put the food down and she's not using a fork. She's eating the way she used to eat in the village, whatever it is. And the, the, as beautiful as she is, they're whispering in his ear like, it's very nice. She's really beautiful. You have a good eye. Good eye that you can see that. But she's a peasant. We need a queen. This is not a queen. So you can have dinner and send her back, you know. And he's like, no. He's like, her beauty is real. We'll teach her. We'll teach her what it means to be a princess. We'll teach her how to eat with a fork. We'll teach her how to walk with grace. We'll teach her. But this is what I want. And in the end of the story, of course, she's taught and he marries her. And she's the greatest queen that they ever, ever had. Very nice story. Well, Wallace, you make a Broadway show. This would be, this would, this would definitely sell out. This is like, you know, Cinderella without the shoe. And it's like, no pumpkins. But like, this is amazing. This is not my story. This, this is a true story. This is a story. This is a true story. Because this is a story that the Medrash says of Klai Yisrael. The Malachim, and I have, I sh- uh, next week I'm going to read you the Medrash from inside. The Malachim said exactly this. You are the king of the world. You cannot come back with a nation that are a bunch of slaves. That These were Malachim talking to Hashem. That have no royalty. Who who are happy with, as the Yisrael said, watermelon and pickles. We want to go back to Mitzrayim because we want watermelon and pickles. That's, that's what they said, right? They said, You're the king of the world. If this is the nation you're going to bring home, you're going to be the laughing stock of the world. They, they, they're slaves, slave mentality. They're a broken nation. All day long, all they do is, is schlep straw and bricks. This is not who you can bring home. And at the time, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. At the time that Hashem came down to Mitzrayim on the night of Pesach, we were on the 49th level of Tumah. You couldn't get dirtier. You couldn't get smellier. You couldn't get more despicable than we were. There was one level left, which was the 50th level, which at that point, you couldn't fix it. So God saw a nation that was so deep in the mud, so dirty and so filthy, but he saw something that the angels could not see. He saw that if you wash away all that filth, you will have the most beautiful princess in the world. And that's what happened Pesach night, everybody. That is why it's called Leo Shimurim. That is why there is no other night a whole year that's on that level. And I will read a few from inside the Kabbalah Yosha tonight. And that's what Hashem told the Malachim. You don't see what I see. I will clean her up. And even after she's clean, she won't have that royalty because she's a peasant, she's an Eved, She's been in Mitzrayim on the 49th level 
of Tumah. She served Avaydah Zara. She's filthy. But I will clean her up. And after I clean her up, even though she's not royalty and she doesn't know how to act like the neshama that she has from me, I will give her a Torah on Shuas. I will give her the 300 lessons of etiquette for the soul. I will give her the ability to become as royal and more royal than you, the Malachim. And against the Malachim's wishes, Hashem took this filthy, dirty, vagabond, peasant girl called Klai who was in the deepest murk and garbage of the world and pulled us out and cleaned us up and gave us royalty and that is a celebration of the night of the Seder now can anyone here imagine if this girl who this prince pulled out of the mud who now became queen before she got married said I need to go back to my town and tell my friends that I'm engaged to the king and the king says sure go ahead and she comes to her town and she gathers her friends what's she going to tell her friends oh my gosh you should see that castle he is so handsome he is the nicest guy in the world you should see the dress I got you see the jewelry I got. Oh my gosh. I learned how to eat. I learned how to talk. I learned how to walk. I learned how to ride a horse. I, I, I learned how to... Wow. She would, she would, she, her friends would be like, tell us more. Like, what does the palace look like? And how does he walk? And, and what did they teach you in school? And how, how did you learn how to speak without a, without a, you know, without a guttural accent? And, and I would be so excited. And we'd be talking a whole night. She'd be like, just going crazy to try to share with them the beauty of what she walked into. That's the Seder. And that's why it's a mitzvah. To sit by the Seder, the Sipur, the Tzitzvah Triumph, it's the only night that it's a mitzvah to talk about the Chassan. And therefore, all the Holy Svarim say that a person who sits by the Seder, instead of talking about the Chassan, talks about politics or family things. So now imagine, the king, they're young. They're fun, this couple. And the king's like, I gotta be a fly on the wall when she meets her friends in that dress, in her crown, you know, walking out of a, cause they don't know what happened to her, walking out of a carriage, right? I gotta see their reaction. I would love to hear what she's telling them. So, while she's in that room t- talking to her friends, he slides up by the window to hear what his new princess, who he took out of the mud and changed her whole life, is talking about. And instead of talking about him, she's talking about dresses and, and, and shopping and my friends and school. And I can't wait to get out of here and stop talking about him. I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. Like, what do I want to talk about? Let's get the Seder over. You know, I told you I found the, I found the uh, Haggadah that it was selling, right? How to do the half an hour Seder. The whole Seder. <laughs> Yeah, they were selling it. How to do a half an hour Seder. The reform, it was from a reform rabbi. How to do a half an hour Seder. So this is very scary. It's very scary because the Kava Yosha says, the Kava, everyone's like, Rabbi, can you get me that book? Right? The Kava Yosha says that on Pesach night, Hashem comes to everyone's Seder with his angels. And he wants to prove to them that thousands of years ago, 
when he looked at this girl who was on the 49th level of Tumah and he said this is who's going to be my queen because I know what she's all about the night of Pesach is where he proves that he was right the worst thing we can do is prove that he was wrong so if we sit at the Seder and instead of talking about the godless of what, that he took us out and instead of being, wanting to be there, we're still back to sleep. I need to sleep. I need to eat. Come on! When's the meal already? Come on! When's Shulchan Aarech? You want to say, you know, Ochayim, my brother, he wants to say Torah? Say it by, by the meal tomorrow, which you know he'll never say, right? It'll never happen, right? And everyone's in a rush and everyone wants to go. And the Malachim are like, you see Hashem, she is muddy. She is filthy. Once a slave, always a slave. Once a peasant, always a peasant. It's the worst thing that could happen. So I'm going to read to you inside the Kaviyosha says that the Chosan comes to every Seder and he brings them Allah and he says, let's see what she's saying about me. Let's see what she's saying about me. You know what it says now, Sarah Sadibros? Anaychi, the first one, Anaychi Hashem Lekecha, Asher what? I am Hashem your God, that what? I took you out of the tribe. She's saying, I am Hashem your God, who created the world. Created the world. I took you out of the tribe, big deal. I did other things. Right? Why took you out of a trying? I'm the, I'm the one who split the Yamsuf. I'm the one who gave the Makos. I'm the one who brought you into Eretz Yisrael. I'm the one who created the world. Hashem was giving us to teach, He was teaching the peasants, us, the royal court. Right? The laws of the royal court. So Hashem was saying to us, Anecha Hashem Alekecha, I am the prince who took you out of the mud. If I was to say that I created the world, I did that for everyone. So, so if I, um, how would I explain this to you? If I came home and, well, I'll give you the best example. So when I got married, so Shabbos, I used to do the, I, I would let my, after we ate, and let my wife go lay down and I would do the dishes. Right? That was my, I just got married, you know, I don't do them anymore. Don't get, don't get nervous. Right? But I would do the, I would do, what, what does it mean doing the dishes on Shabbos? You just, you drink them and turn them over. You can't really, you know. So I would do the dishes. First year anniversary. What about my wife? Dishwasher. Of course. <laughs> I bought a dishwasher. So I was like, happy anniversary! You know, they, they put it in the dishwasher. So my wife said, you didn't buy that for me. You bought that for you. Right? So, so, if I bought, let's say, something that everyone in my family, uh, how would I give you an example of that? Everyone in my family is using, uh, a lot, maybe a, a brand new light, let's say, for a certain room, whatever it is, right? And everyone's using it, so that's not for my wife. That doesn't show I love, I don't, that's not a, a chiba, that I love her. It's a like, bought for everybody. So Hashem's saying, Hashem listen, my, the first words out of it, so to say, out of Hashem's mouth of the Ten Commandments, is Hashem wanted to say, I'm the prince who took you out of the mud. I'm the guy who fell in love with you when you were a slave, when you were a nobody. So Hashem said, I'm, I'm your God who took you, who created the world. So that's not special for me. You created the world for everybody. That doesn't mean you love me. If I say, uh, that I, that I, that I split the Yamsuf, that was just for Klai Yisrael, but that wasn't where the relationship began. Hashem starts to say to Debra, I'm the one. I'm the prince who stopped you in the mud and took you out of the mud. Hashem to see him to try him. 
I took you. I took you out when you were a slave. What? Why not? They do believe in that. They believe we were taken out. Right. They they believe that. Real Christianity believes we're the chosen nation. They they believe they they have their problems with the Messiah and all that. But we're the chosen nation. They they they. What do you mean the the monies that they give to Israel and whatever it is? Yeah. So the they don't they don't they don't deny that. They didn't come out of Mitzrayim. They know they didn't come out. We came out of Mitzrayim. One hundred percent. Listen, they made the Ten Commandments with Charles Heston. You know, it's a Pesach, a Pesach, a popular. So, so this, the, the first of that Asheres Adibras is Hashem's first telling him, "Listen to me, I'm the I'm the guy, I'm the one who took you out of Mitzrayim. You want? I didn't. I did, you weren't beautiful then. You're the forty ninth level of Tuma. There was no difference between you and the Mitzrayim. What? You have two girls. They're both in the dirt, right? One's a slave, and one's the the owner." And you have to, and you're going to marry one of them. You're not going to marry the slave. They're both equally in the dirt, right? Or both ugly. Whatever you want to say, what they both are. So who am I going to pick? If I have to pick one of them, I'm going to pick the one that's the master, not the slave. Hey, we were in the fourth level tumor. The midstream was the same place. So the malachim were like, if you're going to take one of these human beings, right? So take the master. They're no better. They're both dirty, filthy clothing and in the mud. Why is she prettier than her? Hashem said, Chayishol is who I fell in love with. That's the bechipazon. That he took us out of Mitzrayim. Bechipazon means it makes no sense. It's not logical. Bechipazon actually means on impulse. I'm not going to get into this whole subject because last time I spoke about it, I got into a lot of trouble. But but love, whatever that means, infatuation, whatever it means, it's an impulse. When two people see each other from across the room, right? And one's heart, they're both hearts beating together as one. You know the whole story, right? It's impulse. It's a moment. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Usually you marry someone who is totally not what you wrote on your list. And that's one of the biggest problems when I, when I deal with parents that are not happy with who the girl came home with or who the guy came home with. Right? Cause like my, my daughter wanted this and my daughter wanted this and, my, and he doesn't have either. And, and my son really was looking for this and looking for that and she's not either. So they're like, we want to break this up. And I'm like, no, you see, Marriage is not really logical. Hashem created that because if it was only logical, probably two people would be married and the rest of the world wouldn't. So it's, not, it's an illogical, it's an illogical, it's an illogical thing. We're very different. We're very, we are very, very different. So Hashem gave us emotions. Emotions is the glue that brings people together that shouldn't be together, right? And, and that's, and that sometimes is a, is a very impulsive, an impulsive thing. And it says that the relationship between Akush Baruch and us was at the point where he realized, whatever this means, that if he leaves us in Mitzrayim, that that muddy, dirty, filthy, ripped up clothing girl that's laying on the side of the road, he will never be able to clean up and take home. And he decided at that moment, that's who I want and that's who I'm taking out against, against what the angels were advising. So it wasn't, whatever that means, impulsive for Hashem to be impulsive, but it was, it was just a moment in time which is forever, the night of Pesach, and that's why it's Lil Shimurim, because a Chasam protects his Kala, and therefore, it's a night where Kleisrol is very protected, and it's called the, it's called the Lil Shimurim, and that's why a lot of the things that happen will end with this, and, and I'm gonna continue next week in Mitzvah Hashem, Hashem should give us life and health and, and, and Mashiach, um, it answers a lot of questions on the, on the, on the Seder night, there are a lot of different questions because there are a lot of things that are 
totally opposite each other and was sort of a little bit mixed up because even in the Manashtana, right, all of the nights I eat all kinds of chametz and tonight I eat only matzah. Matzah itself doesn't make any sense because we call it halach ma'anya, poor man's bread. At the same time, it's a bread of freedom. What's the deal with that? It's, it's opposing. You have mara, which is remembering the bitterness. At the same time, you have charosas, which is supposed to be sweet, but charosas reminds us of the blood of the children that were in the bricks. So why is that sweet? That's bitter? There is a lot of paradox. In nice word, I like this one of the good speaker word. Um, there's a lot of paradox that's going on in that Seder. There's also a lot of paradox in a relationship between two people. And there, there are, you know, the first part of the Manashtana is, is matzah and mara, which it, in the Manashtana represents poor and bitter. And the second half of the Manashtana is dipping, which is rich and leaning. So what do you want me to be tonight? At the end of the day, you want me to be poor and bitter? Or you want me to be rich and leaning? You need to make up your mind what you want. And the answer is no. It's the cycle of life. There's poor and there's bitter and there's sweet and there's leaning. And that's what the Seder really represents. The world represents life. And that's the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in the Haggadah. If anyone's name should be mentioned in the Haggadah, the the main actor in the play, outside of Hashem, was Moshe Rabbeinu. Paro is mentioned 20 times, more than 20 times. I'm going to tell you, I, would never, I won't let you go home like that, right? And, 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 and Laban's in there. No, Moshe's name is mentioned once. You know where it's mentioned in the Haggadah? Because we say, Vayaminu Bahashem of Moshe Avdo. Just as, because that's, that's the Pasuk. Nothing about it. She's trying, going to Paro. Nothing. He's not mentioned at all. And everybody asks, why is the main actor in the play not mentioned? And the answer is, that Moshe Rabbeinu was the Shatchan between Klai Yisrael and Hashem. Once you get engaged, you drop the Shatchan. <laughs> it's not a joke. It's, it's brought down, brought down in Tzvarim. So, he has no place. When, uh, and, and this is, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm, it, it sounds very chol, it sounds very coarse, but this is the way Rav Shem Shepinkis gives it over. Once you're engaged, you talk about each other. You don't talk about the person who introduced you. It's, 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 there's a, there's a certain, there's a certain, there's a certain relationship. So that night, the night of Pesach, Moshe Benin doesn't belong in our discussion with Hashem. We're talking about this absolute crazy love that happened the first time the prince saw the girl in the mud and he saw her and he said, who are you? That's all we're talking about. And that's CPT since time. That's why it's an extra mitzvah to talk till four or five o'clock in the morning. Just continue talking, continue talking. There's no room to talk about. Oh, by the way, let's talk about the shachin. A girl, chassan and kala, you know, the night they get engaged. You're not like, okay, let's talk about Moshe who made the shidduch. No, it's like, Ma, did you pay him? Bye-bye. Have a good day, because now it's, now it's the two of us. I want to read you, and we'll end with this. I want to read you from the Kaaba Yasha. I want to read you what he says. How Hashem come... Thank him, yeah, sure. We thank Moshe. Thank you very much, 100%. We learn about Moshe all the time, right? So I, just want, I want to read it for you. It's very short. Just the beauty, the way it says, like, this is what it says. Listen carefully. It's a Zaya. So I'm not going to read it in Aramaic. I'm going to read in the translation of the Zaya. Listen to what the Zaya says. The Al-Kain. First he starts with the Al-Kain. 
Therefore, Tzarech Loimer Shirais Vishes Bachais. You're supposed to sing Hashem's praises. Happy, excited. Not, when's the meal? Come on, my friends are finished by 11.30. It's already 11.30. You're talking about your chasam. Not to show any, how do you say, lev ruggers? Um, what? No, impatience, not anger, it's not anger. A rush, late ruggers, in order, not to show that you're in a rush. That you, you know, come on, let's get this over with. Impatience. Impatient, right. <laughs> because it's a chiyah for every person to talk about Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. When you're sitting in your house at the Seder, and you're talking about Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim and the Chavsam. I'm reading a Zayar now. Okay? Oisef HaKadosh God gathers all his minions, all his angels, his whole kingdom in heaven. He gathers them all. For Omer Lehem, and he says, Lechu, come with me. V'shem'u, and hear, Sipar HaShevech Shehem, Semechem B'Soyed HaGu'ula Shalribaynam. Come and listen to all the praise that they're talking about me. The Chasan is like, let's listen. Come on, angels, I'm going to show you that that muddy girl that you said, she's, ugh, leave her here. I was right, and you were wrong. Azbam kulam. So all the angels come, and they see Klayusol, all the Jewish people sitting by their Seder with their children and the little froggies and all the other stuff, and all the Haggadahs and the Seder plates that all the little kids made, right? And he comes with his malachim. Umaydim leila HaKadosh Baruch And they admit to God. All the miracles and the greatness that Hashem did for this Kala. And the whole minions of gods are in Shemayim, all the angels. That there is, this, this, this is where he brings down from the Zoyah, that all the angels admit, you were right! We call them a nation of lowlifes, of Tamei, they are forced on the night of Pesach, not Shavuos, not Sukkot, not Yom Kippur, not Purim or Hanukkah. They are forced because of the way that we run our Seder, if we do it correctly. They admit that God has a holy nation in the world. That this nation is rejoicing that they were actually Freed with their master. Now, I don't know what this means, what the Zayar is saying, but he says, Oz with that, and this place of Kayahu there comes an extra strength in the other world. Listen to this, this is the Zayar. The Yisrael and the Jewish nation, the Siparahu, with this sitting by the Seder and talking about the Chasan, Naisnin Kayah Lurebainam, they give strength. To their master. The Cholalamas and all the world, Yureim become scared, from That's exactly the story I told you tonight. But it bothered me. What do you mean that we can give strength to God? What does that mean? God 
you can't, we can't give strength to God. That's blasphemy. I, uh, what is he talking about? So you know me. If I have a question, so I asked my, what does this mean to my read? I said like, what is a Zayar? What is a Zayar saying? How do, how do we give Kayak to Hashem? That sounds like something like Hashem needs our strength. He answered beautifully. Midos Hadin. When Hashem is in judgment, in Din, right? He has to be MS. Right? He has to be MS. So, we give Hashem the strength to shut up the Makatrig, who comes and says, they're this, they're that, they're this, they're that. In the, in the, in the seat of MS, Hashem has no answer. He sits in the seat of MS. He doesn't have the Koyach to answer them. They're like, we want retribution. The Jews are sinning. But by us, having, doing CPCS Matrayim, we give Hashem the Koyach. It doesn't mean strength. He doesn't need, we give him the Koyach to answer all our enemies. Because he says, look, you're right, they do this, that, and the other thing. But look what a holy nation they are. And they are forced to, to agree. And that gives God the Koyach to answer the Kitrig. May we have the Schus to see that this year. And be zeichet to do the carbon pesach. Do hey, be amen, no amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.